the Fed turns 100 and we're partying. You're in the right place, folks, because this is where the money is. Welcome to the show. It is Tuesday. I'm Matt Copenheffer, and this is David Hansen. David, I'm glad to be back in the studio, and I'm particularly glad because you guys were, were doing some trash talking about me and my flying experience yesterday, so at least I can be here. Very shady. Multiple <laughs> flights being delayed and canceled. I, I think you're on the no-fly list. I, I, wish that, I wish that I was making it up. Some sort of interrogation. I wish that I was making it up. All right, let's get on to the headlines. The first headline of the day, we've got a little Fed action. David, I know you'll love this. Bernanke says, bold actions critical in Fed's 100 years. Federal Reserve turned 100, and some of the old boys club there got together, along with Janet Yellen, who... We're expecting no to longer a boys club get get approved. Did she she didn't get approved yet. I don't We're think expecting yet. her to get yeah. approved. Uh, but they they talked a lot about the bold actions that need to be taken over the years by the Fed to uh, to stabilize the economy in certain times. You had uh, both ends of the spectrum really there. Paul Volcker on the one end, who had to take bold actions by pushing interest rates way up to fight inflation, mm-hmm. and then you had Greenspan, who pushed them way down to head off. The, cra- the stock market crash in 1987, and then the stock market crash of 2002, which remains a little bit of a, a, a cloudy time for him because you had those low interest rates kind mm-hmm. of roll into the 2008-2009 crash. And then you had what Bernanke's been doing now, and it'll be interesting if we look back the next 100 years, Back on what Bernanke... When we're doing this show in 100 years. When we're doing this show in 100 years with our robotic hearts. Yes. uh, What what we'll say about what Bernanke's Mm -hmm. done. Yeah, it'll certainly be a couple years, maybe five, even ten years before we really judge him. And looking at those pictures, Paul Volcker is an enormous man. He's he's a big dude. He's a big dude. Dude's a beast. I was was at a conference that he was at uh, earlier this year. And he's, yeah, he's enormous. Was he, like, posing for pictures with people? Like a, not a freak show. I don't <laughs> say a freak show. Um, no, but I saw, I saw a graph the other day that was kind of comparing what the stock market did uh, at the start of the Great Depression and the Great Recession. And it highlighted that we didn't go anywhere close to where we went with the Great Depression. And sitting here today, you have to give Bernanke a lot of credit. Like I said, though, history will be the judge five to ten years. But as of right now, it's hard to say that he did a bad job. I give him a lot of credit. A lot of people don't. But like you said, it'll only be in retrospect a mm-hmm. couple decades down the line, I'd say. All right, moving on to the second headline. Little Fanny and Freddie. This one's from Reuters, I think. Washington could cut Fanny and Freddie home loan limits. Now, these are the conforming limits, and I guess the standard limit right now is 417000 for most areas of the country. And the proposal would be to drop that to 400000 also would bring the limits down in the, the high-cost areas like Washington, D.C., where we get to benefit from that. Um, so this would be an effort to move Fannie and Freddie further out of the housing market, bring more private capital in. Good move. W- what do you think? Well, I, th- I think in terms of making, this, making it a reality that Fannie and Freddie are going to be phased out or wound down or what have you, which is what the government continues to say it wants to do. Both the White House and Congress seem to be in alignment on that. Uh, This is the kind of movement, uh, albeit a a small one, I mean Mm -hmm. it's a relatively small move, but the kind of movement that we're going to want to see where uh, they take small steps out of the housing market and allow private capital to backfill that. So 
for, for, for investors in Fannie and Freddie, in, in those common stocks, maybe also in the preferred, but I'm still not sure where I stand on the preferred, but the common for sure, this, this, wouldn't, this wouldn't make me feel great. Yeah, and we should say, I don't think we mentioned it on previous shows, that Mel Watt was confirmed by the Senate to be the next head of the FHFA, replacing Ed DeMarco. Mm-hmm. Mel Watt um, was an interesting candidate, more political than, than some people wanted. He's a, a Democrat from Charlotte, my hometown. I've actually met Representative Mel Watt once. Oh, Seemed like a nice guy, so maybe that qualifies him. Um, you can get him on the show for us? Well, we'll, we'll see about that. Um, some people have said he's going to be really focused on expanding housing for low-income earners. This wouldn't be this uh, move to reduce the conforming limits probably wouldn't impact that, but just something to be aware of that there is going to be change uh, at the top of the FHFA. DeMarco has been really big about getting taxpayers their money back and getting the companies kind of back to a solvent position. So it'll be interesting to see where Watt takes it. Alrighty. Third headline of the day. We're going to women on Wall Street. This is from the Wall Street Journal. The headline is Wall Street lags on women's roles. So Gen- General Motors just uh, announced that it is, it is promoting uh, Mary Barra to CEO. Mm-hmm. So this is a reflection. This, this column here is a reflection on Wall Street and the roles or lack thereof that women play on Wall Street. Now, as it noted, there are plenty of women at the big banks, mm-hmm. at, in Wall Street, uh, but not necessarily in the executive roles. And to play a little bit of the sexist here, I will go ahead and say that I think our world, our financial world, would be a better place if there were more women in the executive roles. And, and I, I will go as far as to say 2008, 2009 may not have happened <laughs> if we had, I am going to go there, may not have happened if we had more women running Wall Street firms. And now the, the I'm not I'm not going to be a sexist here, but I believe Lehman Brothers CFO was a female at the time of the collapse. Here's here's the tough part about it. Is to get for women to get to to that role, um, to, to get to the executive roles, I think they have to to adopt that that male uh, uh, testosterone driven kind of culture. Um, and, and, and so you have a, a different a select a selection of the population. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, generally speaking, though, women make great leaders, very level-headed leaders, um, and, and, and I can say that as a man, knowing that I'm not always uh, as level-headed as I'd like to be. And, and you look at some of the leaders that were there on Wall Street; these uh, these empire-building uh, mini emperors, mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, yeah, I think it'll happen. It'll just take time. I'm totally in favor for it. We've had people that are close. I mean, look, we look at J.P. Morgan now. Marion Lake's the CFO there. Maybe she gets a nod if Diamond ever leaves. Um, maybe. It seems to be there's a bunch of candidates in that position, whether it be internal. You look at a Matt Zames, who's COO. Um, there have been other ones. We saw Sally Krawcheck move up at Bank of America before her, and Brian Moynihan didn't exactly get along, supposedly, as she was shown the door. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the uh, of the biggest banks, it's not a big bank by any means, is Beth Mooney over at Key Corp. Is that the biggest bank that has a female CEO? I think uh, it may be. Might be. I can't think might of another be. one. Um, but I think it would be a good thing. I'm sure it'll happen, but just not yet. Well, let's put this out there in the meantime to our female listeners out there. Uh, why don't you email us, WTMI at fool.com, or, or send us over a tweet. Uh, we're at TMF Financials on Twitter. And, uh, and let us know how you feel about the role that women play in Wall Street. Done. All right, moving on. We're going to go to our, what do we have next? 
Bank of America. We have Bank of America. Again. Doing, yeah, we always have Bank of America. <laughs> Bank of America and its reputation. We're talking reputation here. Uh, we just had that, that article, column, mm-hmm. expose uh, from Bloomberg uh, yesterday. That just came out yesterday, right? Yeah, I think so. It seems like ages ago. <laughs> You're all thrown so, off. You're 30, on West Coast time. 3,500 3, words? Yes, very well, long. Well, that's why it seemed like it was so A little long. bit scathing. It took me a long Very scathing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What does Bank of America do at this point? And, and, and when, do, when does this stop? Like, when, when do the... Because to be fair, for, for journalists, this is like the well that never runs dry. Yeah. Uh, because articles like that, they, they're like catnip for readers. Um, and and I, I read the whole thing. I, I read it from start to finish. Um, so at what point do journalists stop seeing... Receptivity. When, when do they start fi- stop finding new stories that ke- catch that kind of? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if we have a, have an exact time, but I think it will happen. Kind of. The, I was hoping you'd give me an exact. I don't have day. an exact time, but it, it seems like time will heal all these wounds. We're still very close to the financial crisis. I know we always forget that it was five years ago, so long ago. It wasn't that long ago. A lot of this stuff will continue to get worked through, and I think in the long run, the reputation will get better just because there will be less interaction between banks and their customers. Human interaction, whether you think that's a good thing or a bad thing, but depositing a check over your phone, that's you not going into a Bank of America branch and potentially being aggravated by having to wait in line, not being serviced the way you want to. So I think there will be less interaction. The mortgage stuff will get worked through. So I don't think they should do anything drastic. They have their commercials coming out. They're saying life's better when we're connected. Uh, Bank of America's there when you want us to, but we're not going to be the main thing in your life. I think they have the right strategy in place. I mean, you look at Brian Moynihan, he really looks up to Ann Finucane, who's in charge of this strategy in terms of getting the reputation back in place. I think he said, ultimately, we all report to Ann. So this is obviously front and center in his mind, getting the reputation back. It's not there yet, but I think they have the pieces in place. So this is a lot of, a lot of what we still continue to hear about, whether it be Bank of America or any of the other big banks, it's still stemming in the well that doesn't run dry comes from 2008, 2009, and to, to some extent, the beginning of 2010, early mm-hmm. 2010. Um, so if you look ahead five years, do you think 2012, 2013 will have the same kind, we'll see some of the same kind of stories coming out of 2012 and 2013? It's hard to imagine the same level. I mean, the level of scrutiny that banks are having today in terms of what type of loans they're writing. I mean, because that's really what the problems get down to is, was it a bad loan? Mm-hmm. If it's a bad loan, then all these other problems are going to come from it, whether it's foreclosure. So it's hard to imagine that it'll be as bad. Maybe there'll be some stuff, but I think you have to be optimistic that it'll slowly go away. And as investors, you have to remember that this is part of the story, but it's not the whole story with Bank of America. You still have to look at the performance, the valuation. This is just one cog in the machine of whether you're making an investment here. Well, and you've got millions of customers using right. it. So, so this, uh, what I'm hearing from you is that this story does not change how you're viewing Bank of America. I don't, think, I don't think you can let this stuff judge what's going on in the market. If you let every negative story about any company impact whether you're going to make an investment or not, you're never going to buy a stock for the rest of your life. Anybody can say something bad about any company. Uh, I think you have to take it as noise more than signal. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think of any company that I haven't heard a bad story about. I mean, look, we, we talk about a private company, Uber. Um, that, that's been great. Ever, all the customers love Did it. Did you see that? And I saw you tweet a story yeah. this morning about how they do their, their price gouging. Some people are calling it supply and demand, and they were charging 
8x the normal rate. And now people are saying bad things about Uber. So even companies that people love, stuff comes out. Still love Uber. Still love Uber. But I'm not paying 8 to 8x. A no, I'm not. I, they, what they said, I, I, I didn't see the actual quote from this, but, but what the article said that, that Uber was saying is that, well, when the prices go up, people can walk instead. Right. And that's essentially what, what my wife and I do when those prices go up. We'll take the Metro. Mm-hmm. We'll take the Metro. Exactly. That's, that's a better deal. All right, moving on to the mailbag. mailbag. We have an email address. It's WTMI at fool.com. We love to get your questions and answer them here. Today we've got a question from Zach. Zach said, I was having a conversation with my son about trading in the lunchroom at school. The hottest commodity hands down is the honey bun. I know day trading is not a foolish endeavor, but I am curious what the hottest commodity in your lunchrooms back in the day. David? Hottest commodity back in the day. Way back. Way back. Lunchroom. Dunkaroos. Do you remember Dunkaroos? Yeah, I do actually. So for those of you who don't remember Dunkaroos, it was a little package and there was a smaller compartment for some icing. Yeah. And then the other compartment had like graham cracker cookies and you dunk them in. Dunkaroos. What was the what was the valuation difference between the vanilla and the chocolate dunkaroo? Well, the chocolate demanded a premium valuation in the marketplace. <laughs> we we all know that. Uh, and I then mean, when they could you trade the vanilla dunkaroo? When the sprinkles frosting came out, that was really an industry disruptor, and that just <laughs> that took the. But that was a vanilla. Sp- was it sprinkles on both flavors? In the vanilla, there was plain vanilla, chocolate, and then the sprinkles. The sprinkles was a game changer. Well, but I mean, the sprinkles bumps up the vanilla valuation. Yes, but not by that much. It's little still bit. vanilla. There was some excitement. There was a little bit of a bubble in third grade, so it bumped it up maybe more than it should have. What's yours? We had a um, we, we had a little um, kind of gas station type uh, store around the corner from school, uh, and so they sold a lot of the gas station kind of snacks. And it was the the Hostess fruit pies, oh. those little super caloric, frosted, delicious fruit pies. Those would command a, a whole lot on the uh, on the market there. The problem for me, though, was that in in high school, at least, I was a wrestler. Mm. So I would come in with these with my brown paper bag with essentially nothing in it, which was very very sad for me. So my my lunchtime mostly consisted of sitting around and staring at everybody eat until I got sick enough of doing that and then I just left. That's what happens. <laughs> That's what happens. That's what happens when you're a wrestler. You're a jerk. You're a jerk. I would have I would have beaten you up in high school. Yes, you would have. <laughs> All right. On that fun note, we're going to move on to our game for today. We've got a little bit of Would You Rather. We're going to pre- present a couple scenarios here, and we're going to uh, tell you which one we'd rather do. First scenario: Would you rather receive one paycheck in Bank of America stock that you'd have to hold for at least a year? Or a paycheck in Bitcoin that you'd have to hold for at least a month. Interesting. Bitcoin's been a wild ride lately. And I know I've said I'm a little bit of a believer in Bitcoin. I think there's a chance they could really change the the payments game. But when it comes to my hard-earned money, i got to go with the Bank of America stock here. It's had a great run. And I know we don't like to say I don't think the stock has a lot of downside. That's kind of a Wall Street thing to say. But I have a hard time imagining Bank of America having a big, big setback over the next year. Uh, The lawsuits are slowly behind them. The performance is getting better. So I'm going with the Bank of America stock. What about you? Just to be different here, I'm going to go with Bitcoin. Okay. I'm going to go with Bitcoin. This is is a a tough call. And and when you say 
you have to hold it for at least a month. Does that mean I can't even spend it? If I can find somewhere to spend Bitcoin. No, you have to hold it. I have to hold on. Yeah. I can't even go and buy food with it? Nope. Because let me tell you this. I, when I was in uh, Las Vegas over the weekend, uh, somebody that I was there with said that they may or may not have been in a Little Caesars. He actually couldn't remember what it was. I thought it was a subway at first, and then he said maybe it was a Little Caesars. <laughs> he may or may not have been in a Little Caesars that had a, a little sign that said, we accept Bitcoin. Oh. That's so happening. I could get... Here. I, I could I could I could get my paycheck in Bitcoin, go to Las Vegas and have all the Little Caesars I could eat. Sounds like a good paycheck. In all serious in all seriousness, though, um, one month, I I don't know. Bitcoin crashed today, which I think we're going to talk a, a little bit more about, mm-hmm. um, and maybe it's a maybe it's a good time to get in on that. Well, crashed in quotation marks, I guess. In it's all relative. Marks. All right, let's move on to the second scenario. Second scenario is: Would you rather? By Radian or 3D Systems? That's a tough question. Radian, both stocks have been unbelievable this year. On fire. On fire. Radian is the mortgage insurer that has been terribly unprofitable, but there's light at the end of the tunnel. Valuation has creeped back up. 3D Systems, on the other hand, very expensive. We've seen multiple fund managers come out and say, we're shorting 3D Systems, we're shorting 3D printing stocks. But I'm a young guy. I'm can take a little bit of risk in my portfolio. I'm going with 3D systems on the off chance that it becomes something huge that they're just doing 3D printers today, but maybe they venture out and do all sorts of things. So I'm going with 3D systems. Ah, I hate that I'm going to have to agree with you here. It's for me, it's the mortgage insurance industry is just it's not an overly attractive industry for me. Um, so my preference would be to go to th- go with 3D systems. You said on the off chance that it becomes something big, I think it's more than an off chance, but it's got a huge hurdle in terms of its valuation. Uh, and, and it's also got the hurdle that when you have an emerging industry like 3D printing, there are so many moving parts, pardon the pun, mm-hmm. there's so many moving parts, uh, there are going to be so many new ent- entrants coming into it as it develops, um, and, and there's going to be upheaval, and it's going to be unclear whether 3D systems will still be around when 3D printing is a fully formed thing, mm-hmm. um, let alone whether it's going to be the industry leader. I think with, um, with 3D Systems, sorry to interrupt you, is they've been doing a ton of acquisitions. They've been on a serial acquisition spree here. And I think you really have to be comfortable with management at 3D Systems because if someone's just going out and buying up all these companies, you have to make sure they have a vision in mind. How are they going to bring all these companies together? So I think that's very important when you're considering this company. I would, I would take the flyer on 3D Systems, though. Okay. We, that, we only had two. No, we have one more. We have one more. One more. One more. Final one. Oh, that's right. That's right. The coup de grace. Would you rather read Bank of America's 10K cover to cover or watch Gili three times back to back? And I put, in, I put in the disclaimer on the Gili. You don't have access to your computer or smartphone, so you cannot distract yourself while watching Jennifer Lopez. There it is. We got the Rotten Tomatoes up there. 6%. It is... It is one of the worst movies. Eleven people gave it a fresh. Who are those people? I, I, yeah, I don't know what that's all about. Maybe, ben Affleck's cousins. <laughs> maybe, maybe those were ratings that were that were like, this is so bad that it's good. I would go with the Bank of America one. You get it's that's boring, but at least you're learning something. You're not sucking the knowledge out of your brain. What about you? I, I have watched Julie. So I know. I've never seen it. And, and I've, I've actually read Bank of America's 10K cover to cover, and I've watched Zili, so I know the pain from each of them. 
I would go with Bank of America's 10K. Ben Affleck's had an interesting trajectory here. Geely marking maybe the bottom, and now look at him. He's on top of the world. What's a stock? What's a company that's been like Ben Affleck? Can you remember one? Oh, man. That's basically facing the end of their career and then turn it around. Got to go with... Radiant. uh, I I was just about to say, Radiant Radiant may be an answer. Um, It could be be actually any of those mortgage insurers. (laughs) Genworth is another one that was essentially knocking at death's door and, and has come way back. All right. All right, uh, we are finishing off in the Twitter sphere, yep. as we always do. David, what's our first tweet? First tweet is from Lara Marcinic from Bloomberg. She says, Jeffrey, CEO, Handler, said there was a very significant improvement in our fixed income results from fiscal, fiscal Q3. That's Lucadia, who controls Go Jeffrey's figure. there now. Go figure. We said this last quarter. Jeffrey's saw, I think it was an 83% drop in fixed income revenue. And we said, don't freak out. Don't run for the hills. It's a very cyclical business. It's just dependent on client flows. They said client flows came back. Revenues were up. Everything's okay. So if there's maybe a bright spot for the bigger fixed income guys on the street, whether it's Goldman, Morgan Stanley, this is kind of the first note of that coming quarter. Of that things might be better. Deutsche Bank. And Deutsche Bank. All of them. <laughs> all of them. Yes. No, it's, it's, very, it's very cyclical. This is no surprise. Imagine that we were right about something. That's even more impressive. <laughs> Go to the second tweet here. The second tweet here is from Forbes. And Forbes tweets, Bitcoin crashes on reports that China is cracking down further on its use. Crashes, David. I think it's down to $750 per Bitcoin. It's getting close. You and I, we bought some Bitcoin. 0.12 Bitcoin. Yeah, 0.12 Bitcoin. I like that you wrote that <laughs> wrote down. Wrote that down. Make sure I don't forget <laughs> it. That I'll, I'll, I'll get that written down as well. We have 0.12 Bitcoin. It was at 675 when we bought it. We were feeling rich mm-hmm. just last week, and now we're not. Yeah, so I guess the report was a little bit convoluted. It was reporting that Bloomberg was reporting that another place was reporting stuff out of China. Uh, I think it shows you that these kind of reports that maybe not even grounded in a ton of facts can really move the price of Bitcoin. So if you're going to be interested today, want to get involved with Bitcoin, maybe buy some, just be careful or just be aware. It's going to be a bumpy ride. It's going to be up and down. Um, And this is just... Have some Pepto on hand. Have some Pepto on hand. But I still stand by my thought that I'm not counting Bitcoin out. Have you bought any yet? Besides our 0.12... May, may, I, don't, I don't believe in it as much as the value, but the That's a no. That's a like no. No, I haven't bought it. But uh, <laughs> the use of it, I think it makes sense. I think it can be a useful way of paying for things. So you're going to get some to use it? Yes. Maybe. When? One day. One day. Speed that up. All right. Close this out here. Final tweet of the day is from Wells Fargo. Well, there's the Bitcoin chart. Oh. Wells Fargo asks, right. what is your favorite holiday movie? Hashtag great things. What do you say? This is uh, this is this is Christmas holiday, I assume. Any holiday. Any holiday. Any holiday at all. Holiday movie. They're probably talking about Christmas, but I. It's it's hard to not go with Christmas Story. Okay. That is, I can literally watch when, when TBS. I believe it's TBS that does it. That, that just plays that movie back to back throughout Christmas nonstop. I can sit there and watch it over and over again. So I'd I'd be doing myself a disservice if I said anything else. Although I will say that I've seen Elf a few times since it first came out. That's a solid solid, uh, Christmas movie. It's really gaining momentum, too. The swing traders are on the Elf bandwagon. Uh, But I'm going to go with Santa Claus. 
The Santa Claus with Tim Allen. Whoa. It's a good movie. The Tool Man. <laughs> Tim the Tool Man Taylor uh, donning, the, so, donning the, the Santa outfit there. Very funny movie. It's good. Right, maybe the the sequels, not so much, but the original, pretty good. And, and I don't know that I should be saying this on the air, but Love Actually, <laughs> gosh, that's, that's, come on, that's a good movie. It's not the worst movie I've ever seen. Oh, come on. <laughs> There's some good parts. There's some very good, so, so Elf, but yeah, Christmas. We just lost all street cred we ever had in the I don't, We didn't have any to begin with. Love Actually. All right, we I know what I'm getting have. you for Christmas now. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have that email address, WTMI at fool.com. Our Twitter address is at TMF Financials. We encourage all of our listeners to tweet us what their favorite movie is and let you know, David. I want all of our listeners to let David know that Love Actually really is a great movie. Uh, I think that's all we have for today, right? Yep. Nothing else? All right. Well, thanks for watching. I'm Matt Copenheffer here for David Hansen, and we will see you tomorrow. People on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. Don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear.